Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Welcome back to the Emerald Office. Today, I am joined by Eileen McDowell. Welcome, Eileen. Thank you. Eileen, we're coming up on March. By the time this goes out, it will be March. Mm-hmm. And that is a very exciting anniversary uh, for us all. The anniversary of the pandemic starting in a, in a big way in the United States. Uh, so that is what we're going to dive in today because you are a resiliency expert. And mm-hmm. we all need a little bit of that secret sauce right now. Yeah, we do. It so, was actually, I think it was like March 17th of 2020 that everything, mm-hmm. at least here in the States, went on, just went into lockdown. Yeah. Um, and I think I know that date because my twin brother and his partner two days before flew back to Boston. If they were still here on that date, I'd have them for the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> they would have had to stay. You know, we just barely <laughs> escaped that. I mean, I love them, but come on, I don't want them living with yeah. me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's, so it's what's interesting, Elizabeth, and that's a small world, is that when that hit, everyone said, okay, 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 I can do this. I can do this. Take a deep breath. You know, we think about how we treated our healthcare workers. You know, people stood in line and applauded them. You know, they threw confetti. Mm-hmm. They brought them gifts. Think of now how they're treated right now. Yeah. In many cases, they're even attacked. Yeah. What is going on? Yeah. And I think it's it been is a good, it's been a couple of years. It's, it's been a rough March, couple of years. Come March, we will be entering, entering the start of age three, age three, year three. Yeah. So what happens is, this is what happens physically to our bodies, that when we are under stress, you know, we've got the, we've got the cortisol, it comes out. Okay, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Okay, I, I, I did this. And now, oh, crap. It's still here. And then I have to keep doing this. And then it gets again. And so what happens, it's called allostatic overload. It's where your body and your mind don't have a place to stop. There is no, there is no breathing room. Mm. And so we're still working. It's possible when this airs in March, many people are still working at home. In fact, we're discovering some new things. So about working at home. So I think the way that I look at resiliency as we enter part three and who knows who, I mean, who knows? Cause there's everything yeah. else that's attacking us is how can I personally and professionally step back and begin to gain some sense of normalcy and control when there's so much over which I have no control. Yeah. So tell us uh, for context for our listeners more about, uh, sort of where you're coming from, your perspective, the work that you do. And then we'll we'll use that to dive into how we cultivate sort of this resiliency as we are continuing to face the pandemic. Okay. So I've had my own consulting practice for, I can't believe it, but it's been 40 years, which is amazing because I'm only 22. So I don't know how that happened. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. I don't know how that happened. And in that capacity... My field has always been the field of communication, which is the world of connection. And Mm -hmm. back when 9-11 hit, I became very intrigued with resiliency. As I looked at what do we as a nation do to respond to, it's at that time had been the most, you know, we've never had an attack on our shores. And the more I studied it, the more I researched it, I realized that 
at the end of the day, resiliency is not about bouncing back. Not. That's what everybody else writes about. It's really mm -hmm. about growth. How do I grow through challenge or opportunity? That's another way of thinking. So mm -hmm. I end up wiser, better, smarter on the other side. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, resiliency is all about energy management. Do I have the mental, physical, emotional energy to keep on keeping on? And so when we think about where we are, if this in fact turns out to be three, year three of trying to handle a pandemic, where is it that I can get energy? What depletes my energy resources? And that's the place where I want to say, where do we have control? Because we do, even at face value, you think we don't. But I also want to say, and this is important to me, Elizabeth, that there is that there's also opportunities here. Sure. And when I say opportunities, let, let me give you an, an example. In the 1850s, a massive storm swept across Great Britain, destroyed oh, so many houses, like four ships went down, you know, all hands lost, a passenger ship down for Ireland, that went down, it was just horrible. And on the on the island of uh, off the island of Skye in Scotland, there's there's this little point of land on Orkney Island. I said Skye, that's incorrect. It's Orkney Island, and it's called Scarabre. Well, on this little tip of Orkney Island, Scarabre, when the villagers went out, the winds, the rains, the tides had been so ferocious that it literally ripped off the topsoil of this little spit of land called Scarabre. When the villagers looked down where the land had been ripped away, Elizabeth, there was a village there, an entire village, one they had never seen. And in subsequent years, when they did archaeology, they discovered that this village was older than the pyramids. It was older wow. than Stonehenge, but it had been covered. It had been covered over with trash, with, you know, refuge, you name it. They never saw it. Here's why I bring this up. I think the opportunity that we have here, and this is not only here in the States, but globally, we've covered up a lot of stuff. And what this does is it rips away stuff that we've covered up that now we get to say, oh my gosh, look at that. We actually have an opportunity to build new, not to not to make it look like the old, but mm. to build new. It's sort of a clean yeah. slate in some ways. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, but, you know, now you have people, I don't want to talk about that. Nope, nope, nope. Don't want to talk about it. They want to cover, you know, put the crap back on top of it. We have an up. How do I, how do I manage my business very different? Why does it have to look like that? What right. is it that I've discovered about my family that I, I just kind of, ignore them. And now, oh my gosh, look what mm -hmm. I'm discovering. You know, how do we discover how we operate as a community? We yeah. covered a whole lot of stuff. Well, now I have an opportunity and that's going to require energy. But I see that as a positive thing. 
Absolutely. I think this is a really key point. So there are so many people that I've worked with over the past two years who are having to pivot or reimagine. I had an entire uh, virtual retreat I did back in 2020 that was very much around understanding what your new context was, understanding what your new parameters were. How were you going to shift your business, not just to maybe pivot a product to better suit the needs of the pandemic, but how were you going to make it better suited to your life or having kids at home or whatever new variables, you know, whatever the new changes were in your life. And this is an excellent way to think about this is that it's not that the the old way has been ripped away from us. The old way is gone. And we could pile up some uh, approximation of the past in the place that it used to be. Or we can look at this as a clean slate and look at this as an opportunity to get a little bit creative and design a solution that may be better than the old way. I love it. You're saying it perfectly. In fact, there was just there was just an article that my sister sent me, and it was about children and how children's children are very creative and their view of the world and what it might look mm. like and their relationship to the planet, to the earth, to the trees, to the water, to the birds is very different from adults. You know, we're very, very mm-hmm. with what we do. That children might actually have concepts. We go, oh my gosh, let's look at how do we treat this planet and how do we tend for that? I mean, that's all that stuff was ripped away. So now mm. maybe from, from children, we can learn some new ways of interacting with this home that we all live on. Or even, you know, bringing yourself back to, because we all have an inner child. We all have that inner ability to sort of wander through the woods and make up songs and stories and come up with new ideas. We have that capacity, but so frequently it's been covered over. It's been hidden under the garbage of being an adult. And so the pandemic could be an opportunity for you to rip that off, throw that into the ocean, and return to the ability to think creatively and think about the the world around you with that curiosity of a child. My daughter is currently six months old, and she's at that stage where all she wants to do in life is put things in her mouth. And every new thing that she puts in her mouth is a revelation. She looks at ceiling fans like they are the most interesting thing that has ever happened. And that wonder of discovering every single detail of the world around you is still available to you and is still helpful to you, mm-hmm. even though the the adult world, as you put it, wants us to be logical and super structured. There is always available to us that unstructured awe and creativity that can allow us to solve problems and to look at things in new ways and develop new ways of being and doing. Absolutely. I loved when you said, you know, adults, we, when we can reclaim our, our childish wonder, mm-hmm. even in small places, what that does is it re-energizes you. Mm-hmm. So like um, the other day, I was I was going out for my run and there was the cutest little baby. They were pushing this little baby and mm-hmm. I laughed and I made some funny face, you know, but keeping the social distance and stuff. And to see this child laugh back and 
even though I, I don't run with a mask on because I'm far away. But to see the look on this child's face and then I just felt my whole heart just go, oh, that's so adorable. Mm-hmm. And I've decided one of the things I've done, I, I've done this with groups sometimes, it's been a while, is I give them, you know, the bubble blowing stiff like, like kids get and you right. stand outside, you bubble blow the mix. bubble, right? Yeah. Watch what happens when your little one gets bigger and you blow bubbles for her. I'm so I have been known in times past to sit in the back of the airplane and to blow bubbles. And you <laughs> should hear the laughter, the joy as people farther up, watch these bubbles coming up, coming up the aisle. And it just, it, it makes me, it makes me laugh. And what it does is it breaks a spell of being in your own little vacuum, sitting in my own seat, nobody paying any attention to me. And suddenly here are bubbles coming mm-hmm. up through the airplane. I love, so to, funny. I, I love, I love to do some of those things because I think it, it's kind of like the old whack on the head. Why don't I laugh about that? Hmm. Yeah. Breaking out of that mold. So I yeah. want to take this back to resiliency uh, specifically in, in the pandemic is what we're saying is that we, we all just need to finger paint our way through year three of the pandemic or what, <laughs> what can we take away from this? How can we apply this to our businesses and to facing uh, potentially yet another year of COVID? Excuse me. As I, la- I cough, I do not have COVID. I've had every test on the man, so I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. Every shot, booster, you name it. Okay, so here's what I think we can do. First off, ask yourself, how do I control the controllable? What are the things that are within my control? Mm. And it's everything from how I talk about it, how I think about it, to what I do with it. And let me give you an example. I live in California. I'm an earthquake country. Mm. At face value, there is nothing I can do about an earthquake. Nothing. Nothing. But now, Elizabeth, you're really smart. Where are my places of control with the earthquake? Because it's a natural phenomenon I can't control. What could I do? Where are my places of control? Uh, Where can you control in the face of an earthquake? You can have certain things prepared to Mm -hmm. get out of there if your house is falling down. Yeah. Uh, you can hire a builder who makes very strong. I know nothing about earthquakes. I've never lived in earthquake <laughs> territory. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll, that's okay. I'll strong doorways. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, the first thing people say to me is you can move, mm. <laughs> move away, which is that's true. true. You could you know, be like me and never live anywhere with earthquakes. See, you could, you could do that. And I've got to tell you, when I moved to California and experienced my first earthquake, it was like, oh my God, oh my God. You know, on a scale of one to 10 with the Richter scale, I was 9,999. It was just horrible. Right. But you discover if, if in fact, one of my choices and my choice is to stay here, what do I choose? And you can become smart. It took me years to become smart about living in earthquake territory. I had an earthquake preparedness trash can in the garage. I found out later the garage is the weakest part of your house. (laughs) And that you don't just put stuff in there and forget it. And 10 years later, come back and look at it. Did you know that baked beans can erupt? You can have a can of baked beans. They can explode. (laughs) I opened up this can. I was like, oh my gosh. Bottom line is that I have a very earthquake prepared house. All, all of my cabinets are double hung. Uh, pictures have got, you know, they, 
they're almost glued to the wall. There are no pictures behind her bed. I've got earthquake preparedness kits in our car. I've got hard soled shoes under the bed in case you have to run and, and you know, what we have an emergency plan. I've got the stuff not out in the garage, but it's beside the house and it's got everything. And actually now this, this quarter, I need to go out and check the expiration dates on food. And you've got bottom line is that if you step back and say, where's my point of control? Now this is pretty dramatic with the with the earthquake. Earthquake, but we do have choices, right? And so when I begin to say, "How am I thinking about this? How do I reframe this in a way?" It's like taking and looking in, in other directions. So when I use the example of Orkney Island and Scarabre, that was reframing. Right. See, is there another way? of looking at this. What can I accept, amend, mm. avoid, alter? Oh, those are choices that I have. I and how can I alter the way I'm looking at this? Because Absolutely. we can all choose to look at this as this opportunity to start from a clean slate or to rebuild or to spend more time in the areas of our lives we want to. Or we can look at it as a disaster where everything's going wrong. That's right. And your allostatic overload gets more and more and more. And sometimes what we need, and this is why you're so valuable to your clients, what we need is someone who will step back and help us reframe. Right. Someone yeah. who can say, give me some other ways of looking at this. What's the upside of this? In fact, I think mm-hmm. that's one of the things where I just talked to a, a client in one of the, the major pharmaceutical companies. And he said, you know, they want to get the people back to the office, but not full time because people actually have discovered there are benefits to working out mm-hmm. of the office. I mean, out of the house, maybe yeah. not five days a week, but there are benefits. And I don't want to go sit at that desk. I really no. like being able to take a break and go out and water my flowers. Right. Uh, so, so it's, 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 again, it's how do I reframe this? And as I said, that's one of the values that you offer your clients is being mm-hmm. able to help them step back and say, where are my points of control? Where do I adapt, amend, avoid, or accept? I love that. That is something I do talk about with my clients, particularly because part of the reason that I work with entrepreneurs is not because I think they're sort of better or more fun than other people. Well, sometimes they're more fun. Uh <laughs> But it's because entrepreneurs are the people who have control over more of the variables of their lives, mm-hmm. right? When you, if you worked for this pharmaceutical company, you don't get to decide how many days you work in office and how no. many days you work from home. Somebody no. else decides that for you. Whereas as an entrepreneur, I get to decide that I work every day from home unless I don't want to. See, and that's one of the things, that's the ups, the positive side and the downside of being an entrepreneur is that we work for the worst person in the world. Right. And we have to make all the decisions, all the decisions. And who's going to who's going to let us have vacation leave? And, you know, being able to honor yourself Mm -hmm. and to step back and say, you know what, five o'clock, I'm out of here. Having had my own organization, my own consulting practice for so long, I will admit that years went by before I would allow myself to step back and say, wait a minute, why aren't you working this way? That is ridiculous. Look where yes. energy is And going. if I'd met you 39 years ago, I would have made you take vacation. See, I didn't have you 39 years ago. <laughs> Nobody had me 39 years ago. That's because you're not 39. I'm not 39 years old. Um, all right. 
So we've established that the points of control, the variables that are within your control are a key place to start. What are some variables that you think most people have within their control that they can start to right now be looking at how they can take back control of those areas going into your brain? One of the best ways to take back control has to do with your physical body. Yeah. How are we? I mean, this is not news, but to be able to allow yourself to do that, mm-hmm. that's why, you know, in all this, I get up early in the morning, but I go to bed early at night. Yeah. And I run. I, mm-hmm. I have an ocean over here. I have a boardwalk. I have trails. I have roads. Mm-hmm. So I run five, five and a half miles mm-hmm. almost every day. What that does is number one, there's no cell phone. Mm-hmm. Watch those people walking around and they're, they're, they're not present. They're on the cell phone, on the cell phone. Put right. The phone away. They're reading more bad news about the pandemic. I know. I, I don't want to do this. Allow whatever at night, you don't have to go and run five miles. But the point is when I begin to feel that my physical body is in control, mm. then I feel like I'm in control. And the same thing is yeah. true with our physical space. If you are surrounded by mounds of paper that's filed up in the, you know, file cabinets that are open and you can't find where you put this stuff, you can almost feel the anxiety that comes with it. So to be able to look at the physicality of your body and your surrounding is a great way to do this. And I'm really big on, um, on keeping my physical space as minimal as possible, Uh, you know, computer, my, my printers mm-hmm. are hidden. My my Xerox is hidden. My shredder is hidden. I know where they are, but it's clean. Right. And so when I walk in here in the morning, I'm just going, oh, no, my God, all this stuff is going to fall on top of me. Right. And so that physical. The world is overwhelming enough. You don't need your office to be overwhelming. No, you, you don't. You yeah. really don't. And even if your office is the corner of your bedroom, make that at least a space. Right. That where you feel in control and it looks like you're in control. This is really, really funny. And I probably should not even bring this up, but uh, way back at the very beginning of the pandemic, I went off on a tangent and on my normally very actionable business advice oriented blog, I wrote a fluff piece and it is called why you feel like dying your hair in the middle of a global pandemic. <laughs> it is the most well-read article I have ever written, probably. It still ranks in top-viewed pages on my website. Now I'm mentioning it in a podcast, so it'll get another hit of views. Because it is exactly what you're talking about. A physical representation of the fact that you have control over your life. Because when you walk into a salon as a brunette and you walk out as a redhead, you can see and feel that you still have control over yourself, that you can still change yourself. Now, I think the running five miles or organizing your office might be a better use of time and money, but it is it is the same idea of whatever it takes for you to remind yourself in a healthy way that you are sort of the master of your own fate, that you get to decide how you're going to show up in the world. And that is as fluffy as how if you're going to show up as a brunette or a redhead and as deep as if you are going to show up as someone who is present and healthy and ready to take on whatever the world throws at you. You get to choose that. 
And that choice, it sounds like, is what you're saying is the core of resiliency. Well, I think when we when we feel we have no choice, then we feel helpless. Then the world is controlling us instead of us controlling the world. And so my intention is to help to help transform the life of work and the work of life. Mm. And doing that through conversations that matter, like what you and I are having, and connections that count. And yeah. we get connections just like a power grid from how, in fact, we connect with our head. What are we thinking with our heart, with our hands? What are we doing? So so when you I love that. I love that story that you dyed your hair. And it's, <laughs> it's a wonderful but it's a wonderful metaphor, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Saying, where's my point of control? Right. Maybe I think I'll shave my head. No, I won't shave my head. <laughs> <laughs> Don't shave your head. It's, it's not the I look. It though at times, but it's yeah. um, it's really it's really it's really interesting. And the other thing I've started to do, and I started it last year, and I will continue it, is that every month I must do something that I've never done before, mm. and I write it down. Yeah, and it can be very simple, like. Yeah. Um, well, before the pandemic, you know, I, I took a Pilates class. I've never taken a Pilates class. I didn't take very many of them, but I tried it. I, I What did I eat? It was that, um, it's from Britain and it's it's brown and it's salty and it comes in a- Oh yeah, it's like a spread. Uh, Melmine Vegemite? Malamine? Mal- something like that. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's like brown- Pasty sugar, or not sugar, it's salt. It's exact opposite. So, well, I've never tried that. I will, I'll try that. Um, and as silly as that sounds, every time you do something you've never done before, number one, you reinforce your courage. You reinforce the fact that you are open to discovery. Hmm. And see, let me see what I wrote down for, for January, because right now when we do this, what did I do that I've never done before? Oh, um, I learned something called climber cards, which are uh, p- pictures that are metaphors that I can use with clients. I didn't know how to use it. I learned that. I Ooh. signed up for Apple Music. I've never signed up for Apple Music. <laughs> I signed up for Apple Music. Um, I signed up for something called MEA, which is um, Modern Elder Academy. I want to see what that's all about. Um, and I sent out a ton of postcards, hmm. uh, which I haven't done. So that's what I did in January. Of course, we're only early, early into February. Have I done anything yet this this month? Which we're only on the third month when we are recording this. Let's see. Have I done anything? I, I put it in my book. Let's see. Mm, not yet, but I will. I think but what's I great about that practice is it's so low barrier at entry because there are so many things that you haven't done that anybody hasn't done. We all right. have plenty of options. It's not this big, like, go climb a mountain that you've never climbed. It's try something new. Yeah. And it, like you said, it, it reinforces that you can adapt, that you can mm-hmm. try new things, that you can do new things. This is very similar to something I talk about with my clients when they're sort of discouraged. And mm-hmm. that is looking back on your backlog of things that you did that were hard, but you didn't die. Perfect. Perfect. That's exactly that. Because we forget. We do. We forget that we've done hard things. Yeah. We've tried yeah. new you, things. You knew you moved to a new state. You went mm-hmm. through a divorce and you moved to a new state. Now we're 10 years later and you say, I don't have any courage. Well, stop it. 
Look you left a marriage that wasn't working and you moved across the country. That takes so much courage. It's it's amazing when, and, and I think that's a great exercise. What is it that you have done that in retrospect, you went, oh my gosh, I did this. That was an interview I gave today was, was walking away from a job doing uh, corporate communications for a PR firm and handling their international clients. And Elizabeth, if I wrote another press release, I was going to throw up. <laughs> it didn't seem that it. hard. It seemed easier to leave than to write another press release. Except that we had just gotten married. This is the second marriage mm-hmm. of both of us. And he had three children that we adopted. I yeah. adopted. And between the two of us, we didn't have any money. And I walked away <laughs> from the job. It was the wisest thing later on. At face right. value, it looked pretty stupid. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. It yeah. Wasn't. And so you have this backlog of things that you've done that were hard and you managed it and you rose to that challenge and you you know you can be resilient because look at the time you left that job. And you are adding consistently to that backlog with, look, I'm continuing to try new things. I am continuing to, you know, you're, you're actively smashing the can't take an, teach an old dog new tricks. I mean, you're only 28, but... Um, <laughs> That's very good. But you're right. Because how many people do you know that as they age, they're stuck? They can't mm-hmm. move forward. They, it, whereas I think, wow, well, let's let's try that recipe. Let's go see yeah. that. that re- this, there's so much. I was thinking, I want to take an improv class when we can finally mm-hmm. do things face to face. I want to go take improvisation. I think I'd like to do that. That would be fun. Um, because that is, by the way... The the only advantage that the that the old have over the young is that you have a bigger backlog. You have a bigger set of all the things you've done. This is why teenagers freak out about the littlest thing because they don't have a backlog. They have maybe a couple hard things that they've done, but you know when you're a teenager, one breakup is the end of the world. That's By the true. time you're in your 30s or 40s or 50s, a breakup is just an average Tuesday. So I, I love that you said that. So let me give you a reference point. When we talk about when we get in this place of, oh, no, terrible, horrible, I can't do. Is it, and this actually comes um, from the gentleman that started the Happiness Project. And his name will come to me in a minute, but it's out of my head right now. But it, it's, um, it's, positive, it's um, positive psychology. Mm-hmm. And it says that when we begin to get stuck, is it permanent? pervasive and personal. So when something happens, is it permanent? Well, maybe not. I might find another girlfriend since I just broke up. Is it pervasive? It is, is it going to ruin your entire life? You will never be the same again. Well, no, it just ruins my dating life for now. And is it personal? Does someone do this? That this, the universe decided, aha, I'm going to get you. It's this is the way. Yeah. And so that notion of permanent, pervasive, and um, personal, if you begin to step back and say, are, are these three things? Well, no, they're really not. Yeah. So you can step back too and say, okay, what's another way to look at this? Let's apply this to the pandemic. So it hopefully isn't permanent. I think it's not entirely permanent. I think elements of it might be permanent, but overall, it will not be a pandemic forever. No, it could be an endemic. I mean, it's again, what did we... It is moving towards endemic, but the flu is endemic and we don't freak out about that every year. No, we also get flu shots. 
We also, yes, this is also an advertisement. Please go get your booster. Um, is it pervasive? Meaning it's ruined your entire life. And the truth of the matter is it has not. It has touched most areas of our lives, but it has not ruined every area. In fact, we all know, we've all seen how it's been positive in certain areas. I've mm-hmm. spent a lot of time with my husband and I am very excited about that. It's been good. <laughs> well, I've got, I understand that one. Yeah, yeah, we're both me. very happily married and it's it's not that bad to have them home all the time. It's wonderful. And, so, and the last one is personal. And did mm-hmm. this this COVID variant look around and go, aha, I'm going to get you. Now, if you didn't follow no. any of the protocols and you got sick, that's another thing. But it didn't right. seek no you out. No one is out to get say, you. I'm going to slam you. This isn't an Elizabeth-specific virus. It's not no. an Eileen-specific virus. This no. is no. as about as impersonal as possible. Yeah. it doesn't. That's COVID true. doesn't even know who you are. That's true. They don't. They don't. So it looks like we're all going to be okay. We will be okay. We will be okay. That's the last point. I guess if we wanted to say what's really important is for us to learn to be hope merchants. Yeah. And um, Howard Zinn, the philosopher, had a wonderful line. He said, to have hope, one does not need certainty, only possible." Mm. And I oh, love, I love that. that. I, I really do because there are things that are possible. And if I were to start each day, you know, say, what can I do to be a hope merchant today? Mm. I can do that in my organization, uh, in my business. It's putting that reframing, recasting. What have we learned here to be hope merchants? Yeah. And I think that is so critical because Hope doesn't make it into the newspaper. You know, that's hope doesn't sell. You know what? That is such a that's another brilliant statement, Elizabeth, because I think that's the other thing when we have control the controllable. Don't look at the news. Yeah. Stop looking at all the ones that say how terrible and horrible it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we have to be informed at some point. But I don't I don't watch television news. It's Television t- news t- is is not the way to do it. I get one daily digest per day. I have a single page of what is going on in the world, and that is enough information for me to be a functioning, informed citizen. Yeah. And it is not an emotional onslaught of we're yeah. all going to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's another point of control. Thank you so much, Eileen. I'm going to finish this out with the question that I ask everyone, which is how do you stay focused in your business? That's a great question. Um, I actually am pretty good about staying focused. I set, when each month begins, and I'm right, here we are, it's early in February. I put all the dates on the calendar of the things I know that I have to do. And then I create for myself, what are the must-dos of this month? And so I know I need to write a February newsletter, which, by the way, I did today. I've sent it out to my admin to look at, wrote it. They'll proof it. They'll fix it up. And if anybody wants to go to my website, you can sign up for the February. We will put the link down below. You can sign up. Yeah, we can do that. Um, I know that I need to work on this this one project for the for the IMS. 
people I need to check into. What do I want to learn? There's two things that I really need to learn this month. So I wrote those things down. And then who are the people in my life that I need to touch base with? Like mm. my friend with the husband that has Alzheimer's. Yeah. Like, you know, so I, I, so I don't want to forget that. And, but I don't have 900 things here. No, you have the I most. Know I have one, two, three, I have four things. Yeah. That's, Prioritization. That's Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. I really enjoyed it. You are always a pleasure. Well, we'll do this again. And like I said, come right for me. And, you know, you can never tell where you and I, Eileen and Elizabeth, the double E's, we could take the world by storm. We're taking the world by storm. It's going to be great. I think so. Thank you for spending your time with me, Elizabeth Tolis, here in the Emerald office. If you want to hear, watch, read, and learn more about entrepreneurship, focus, and living a life of impact, I invite you to check out Full Focus Entrepreneur, where I coach small business owners to be more effective, more organized, more profitable, and more impactful. If you're interested in listening to more of me talking to myself and others, please check out the Emerald office where all the episodes for all of my podcasts can be found. Both the Emerald Office and Full Focus Entrepreneur, as well as my social media and the show notes, can be most easily found at elizabethtolis.com. And I want to especially thank Eric Tolis, who made the sweet backtrack you're listening to now, and Maria Carius, who made the beautiful artwork that graces this podcast's cover. A link to all of Maria's art can be found in the show notes.